Hello guys, welcome. How are you? This is the sound of the start of your weekend. Get excited. It's the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Betfair with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. George, how are you getting on? It's been a busy week and we've got a full slate this weekend. Oh, yes, we do. Very busy week. When you've got a, a midweek set of games, even if it's just a championship, there's a lot of catching up to do on Thursday morning. You know, normally you can get your prep done on Wednesday. No, going to Thursday morning, exactly what you're going to do. Fine tune, do your notes. Whereas this time it's wake up Thursday morning and a scramble to get ready for, for speaking to you. But I've done it. Only one bet of mine is in the championship, which is quite heavily weighted on what happened this midweek as well. Yeah, excited, mate. Very excited. Our week last time out on the betting show was a bad week. Neither nap was a winner, which is not a good place to be. You won your next best with Forest Green, uh, and I got my money back on my DNB Wickham. Uh, you got BTTS Yes up in Morecambe 3, Wimbledon 4. BTTS Yes feels like a bit of an understatement in that one. Both of us were feeling pretty upset with our goal scorer picks. Yeah, it was a weird one for me because I was... I obviously, well, not obviously for those who weren't listening, but I, I tipped, um, I tipped Sam Vokes to score, and I was behind the goal that Wickham were shooting towards, <laughs> watching the team that they were playing against. Obviously, very, very desperate for Oxford to win the game, but twice in the first half, there was one moment which was actually included in the Quest um, highlights, and they said it was Joe Jacobson, but it wasn't. It was Sam Vokes, where the ball kind of came across onto the line, and Vokes was it was right in front of me. Vokes was there just to nod it over the line, and Anthony Ford came out with one of the most incredible goal line clearances I've ever seen. It was so brave. <laughs> just got his head there in front and got clattered for it. And then about four minutes later, Vokes span on the penalty uh, on the penalty spot. Jack Stevens tipped a shot over the bar. So it's quite weird because in my head, I would have thought I'd have quite wanted them to go in. But in this occasion, I was really happy when neither of them went in. So that just shows how much I still love my yellow men. Yeah, I wasn't conflicted at all when Bazunu saved a, a good chance from Troy Parrott, who I picked, that just straight up upset about that one. Gambling is for over-18s only. This podcast should only be listened to by over-18s. Please make sure that if you are thinking of having a bet this weekend, you understand the risks that come with it. Please make sure that you never gamble more than you can afford to lose, that you never chase your losses. It's the old Neil Warnock viral clip that applies here. By all means, enjoy it, but enjoy it by being disciplined. He adds one more word in there that I'm not going to, but you get the idea. George, uh, let's approach this weekend, though. Uh, a full slate of EFL fixtures, of course, plenty to pick through on this Thursday morning. What has stuck out to you as the best bet, your nap this weekend? Yeah, I've got, um, got a, I think I'd have spotted it anyway, but this was pointed out to, to you and I on the Not the Top Bet 20 betting squad, our leveller community, uh, a few days ago as being a price. And I, to be honest, I didn't think it was going to last until Thursday. I thought by the time we got here, um, it would be a bit shorter, but Wickham is six to five to beat Charlton uh, on Saturday, which just seems like fantastic value. Um, this is a Wickham team who, as I've just said, I saw live on Saturday and any Oxford fans won't like me saying this because any team who plays against Wickham leaves the stadium basically despising them because of their antics. Um, but I was I was impressed with what I saw from a purely footballing point of view. Yes, it is. Pretty ugly. Yes, the fouls and the time wasting are, are pretty boring. Uh, Joe Jacobson has quite amusingly found a new way to wind people up where he just he did it twice in the game where he just goes up behind them and grabs the back of their neck, which I think he's worked out is is um, 
aggressive enough to be deemed quite annoying to the person he's doing it to, but not quite aggressive enough to warrant any action being taken by a referee. He literally marched, I can't remember who it was, he marched someone down the pitch just holding the back of their neck and they kept turning to the ref saying, what's he doing? And it was like, well, he's just holding your neck, mate. I don't have to worry too much. Just holding your neck, mate. Yeah, so sorry to expose that one, Joe. But it's, in terms of pure footballing perspective, not getting into the, the silliness and, and the, the, you know, the games that they look to play to gain an edge, they kept an Oxford side who have the highest XG created in open play in the whole division, including this game, pretty much arm's length. You know, Oxford had a lot of the ball in the second half and looked quite threatening with the, with the possession. But, you know, Matt Taylor must be very, very bored of Anthony Stewart because he foiled him at Wembley a couple of years ago in the or last year in the playoff uh, final. And twice more again, balls were played across the six-yard box with Taylor waiting to tap it in. And Stewart was there to snuff out the danger. They are a very, very good defensive side. And even though they didn't offer too much going forward in the second half, in the first half, they were quite clearly the, the more likely team to score. Um, I mentioned that Vokes' chance was tipped over the line and the one off the line as well. Uh, plenty of other opportunities in the first half where they did go quite close. And, you know, an Abita shot that was that was palmed away. And then in the last five minutes as well, when the game descended into some kind of both teams basically going for the win, uh, it was Wickham again, who I think looked more threatening, especially from set pieces. So it was a good performance there. They're a very, very good home side. And you are, I think more so than any other team probably in the EFL, you know, you are going to get a certain level of performance from them that they do not put in two out of 10 performances. Even when they were 2-0 down against Sunderland at the Stadium of Light, they came back into the game uh, 2-1. And even though they're well beaten 3-1, there wasn't a great deal in that to, to really concern me up against a very, very good side. Now, this Charlton team, as I mentioned on the Monday pod, are not a very good side at the moment. And it's hard to really understand why they're suddenly going to improve. Their style of play, let's say, isn't very attractive. It, it's in a similar way to Wickham's. It's fairly attritional. You know, the, the complaints from... Charlton fans were, were they were going long to Stockley too often against Cheltenham in a game they lost 2-1 at home and, and I think we're getting towards a stage now where the pressure is going to start coming on to, to Nigel Adkins because um, they look to me much more likely to be in a relegation scrap this season than, than a, a side who are looking to get promoted yes they brought in quality players Harry Arter should be somebody who revolutionises their midfield when he does come in and that could well be I think in this game but as I always say, I need to see evidence of that first. And I'm happy to to keep getting against Charlton until we see otherwise. You know, Wickham look by far the stronger here. A team who love playing at home and a team who, uh, you know, have, have kept better sides than Charlton very recently at bay. And I think we'll have no issue creating chances against them as well. So at six to five, that is my, my nap pretty comfortably. So my nap is Stoke City in the championship. They are playing against Derby County. And as I say the name Stoke City, I'm very aware of the point you made on the Monday podcast that they beat Huddersfield with an entirely underwhelming performance level. So I feel the need to say pretty early on that this is more about Derby County than it is about Stoke City. I definitely think that Derby have picked up more points to start the season, seven in seven games, to be precise, than I thought they would. They've they've drawn four of them. I think, in general, the trend of, of Derby draws is that they are not the better team. I think when a team draws four out of seven, it's worth wondering how many of those draws they were closer to losing and winning, and that can give you an idea of, of where those results might start falling. And I think this is where it starts. I think they lose to Stoke City. They drew with West Brom in midweek derby and albeit a very good point for them to get, not a good performance, 
very grateful to a lot of poor finishing from West Brom, uh, a lot of last-ditch stuff, particularly from Keller Rose, who had a very, very good game. I think it was 25 shots to four, five inside the six-yard box for West Brom, 14 more inside the penalty box, nine on target, no goals, but only really down to luck when it came to Derby. This wasn't that they matched West Brom in any way. Now, I don't think Stoke are as good as West Brom at creating shots, creating chances in the six-yard box, high-value opportunities. But I do think that physically they are only a rung or two below West Brom in terms of the the threat that they pose. They have Ostergaard, they have Suter, they have Wilmot. Um, These guys are a threat from set pieces. They are a strong side in general, I would say. And Derby are not that. Derby have got Jagielka and Curtis Davis at centre-back. And outside of that, I consider them a small team, quite a weak team physically. And I think that Stoke can really impose a level of physicality over Derby in this game. But also... Derby are sort of in this in this mode where they do want to be a team that plays out from the back. We saw that against Birmingham on Friday night. They got caught out. They conceded a goal. Rooney made it clear that, yes, we would we will definitely continue to do this, but it wasn't really possible on Tuesday night. Such was the intensity of, of West Brom's play. So I think Derby will probably have more opportunities to play out from the back against Stoke this weekend, and I'm not necessarily sure that's a particularly good thing. I don't think they're in a, in a good place right now when it comes to doing that. I don't think they are thriving in terms of build-up play, but most crucially, they just have no target to go long to. If they go long at all, Stoke will win 95% of their aerial duels because up top for Derby is one or two of Bulldog, Josviak, Tom Lawrence. I mean, barely even out-and-out number nines anyway, certainly not the sort of nines that are going to release a bit of pressure if you need to get rid. So I think Derby are just in this tough situation at the moment where I I think they are more likely to start losing games than start winning games from this point. I think their general performance level is pretty low. And I think that essentially the dam is going to break this weekend against Stoke, who have obviously won four of their seven games. Um, they've, They've put away some poor teams so far this season. They've shown that they're able to do that a little better than they did last season. They're still not anything better than a, a middling attacking team in open play although I think they've improved on that front and the likes of Rancic and Sawyers certainly help. Uh, Surridge has been a good addition so far. He's someone that, uh, you know, some people aren't that excited about Surridge in general, but he has shown himself in his short career so far to be someone that gets on the end of high quality chances. Um, So as a replacement for the injured Stephen Fletcher, and while they wait for Tyrese Campbell to come back from injury, I think he's a a good option and a good signing. But they are a very big set-piece threat, Stoke. That's borne out in the numbers. And I think Derby are vulnerable on that front. And, And I wonder whether being away from home for Stoke could be a good thing in a sense because Derby, they're going to look to play. Um, They're going to be a little more ambitious than they otherwise would be if they were playing away from home. I think that could play into Stoke's hands. So Stoke went up at at 2.45. They are now about them this morning at uh, 31 to 20. They're now 29 to 20, but I still think that's plenty good value there. My best bet of the weekend. Uh, Next best for you. Another team that we went to go and watch, another team that we didn't see score. You and I went to go and see uh, Sutton against Hartlepool on, on Tuesday night. We arrived about 10 minutes late. Um, pretty soon after we arrived, it was obvious that Hartlepool were, were basically weren't even getting a kick. The The level of pressure from Sutton was, was absolutely incredible. And they eventually took the lead through a set piece. And except for a, a, a few moments, especially the end of the first half where Hartlepool looked quite tidy um it was a game of very very few chances after that um a, one fairly decent save from the Sutton keeper um a couple of decent saves from the Hartlepool keeper from set pieces but it wasn't it wasn't a game for the uh, for the neutral necessarily which is what we were 
Um, but interesting to see both sides. And, and I think the key here, and the key reason why we can back Hartlepool this weekend at seven to five away at Oldham, part of it is because Oldham are terrible. And that's, you know, I think, yeah, <clears throat> home advantage, I'm not entirely sure it exists at the moment and it's priced into the price here. Um, they are just a, a terrible, terrible side who are sinking without a trace really in, in the EFL as it stands at the moment. They look um, lost and they're coming up against a side in Hartlepool who I don't think the market has right yet because you look at the kind of prices for relegation and, and you know the, the where they both stand at the moment and what they're both in for in terms of, of point spreads and stuff like that. Both Sutton and Hartlepool are still seen as two of the poorer teams in the division. I just don't think that's the case. I think they're both mid-table sides at worst, um, probably just mid-table sides to be fair. Uh, and whilst Hartlepool's defeat there and the performance might seem like a big dent in their form, I'm not necessarily sure that it is. I think Sutton have been unlucky so far not to get more points. Uh, and a couple of home wins now has kind of put them back on the straight and narrow. Hartlepool have beaten decent sides. You know, I'm not including Bristol Rovers in that, even though, um, you know, pre-season they were seen to be a decent side. But Walsall's form has massively improved since they beat them. Um, even though Carlisle are, are struggling, I still think that was an impressive win as well. Um, and the games they've they've lost, uh, there was the Barrow game, which they were unlucky to lose. Um, I've mentioned the Sutton one there. So, I mean, there's a lot. And, and away at Tranmere, which they, you know, they, it was a game where I bat them and they would have been good value for three points and came away with nothing. Um, they lack a goal scorer. Um, Tyler Bury's injury is a big issue. Uh, we saw Mark Cullen come off the bench for them on on Tuesday, and he's certainly somebody who could provide that little bit of um, goal scoring intent because it, they, it, you could tell how much they lack the goal scorer. Even though he's never been particularly prolific, he certainly is somebody who can snuff out chances in the box. So yeah, I mean, I, I think Hartlepool are a big value here at seven to five to win the game. They are the, the better side in a better position with a better manager in better form. It all kind of stacks up to being even though it's it's you know a pretty short price for an away side in league you know at, at any time i think in this case it's 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 justified and and probably should be a bit shorter mm, another away team for me which concerns me too many aways maybe this week but i like it i like it it's my next best and it's mk dons at 2.5 6 to 4 to win against chillingham this weekend if this was a chillingham side at their steve evans best which we saw a lot last season. I think they finished in the top half, didn't they? Which was a brilliant achievement. If this was that team, I would think this was a pretty awkward fixture for MK Dons. In fact, I'm pretty sure Jill's beat MK Dons in the equivalent fixture last season. But firstly, this isn't MK Dons under Russell Martin. This is MK Dons under Liam Manning. And I think there are signs early on that they have added pragmatism. And I don't think they've lost that much, which is pretty exciting, actually. It might not be exciting if you love like people breaking passing records, but I think it's quite exciting if you want to be more confident of a team picking up points and results. And I should say, that sounds like a slight on Russell Martin. Clearly, he left the team in a really good place, and their level of technical ability that he left behind was a brilliant place for Liam Manning to start work on. But as I've said a few times on the Monday pod, just been really impressed with how MK Dons are playing under Manning. The first game that he had was a defeat at home to Sunderland, where I believe he had been in the building maybe 24 hours, having uh, obviously been hired from Belgium. Um, and they lost 2-1 to Sunderland. Uh, they probably, it was a fairly even game. Uh, Sunderland maybe just about edged it, but MK Dons, I certainly remember them having a pretty good chance at 0-0 or 1-1. That game could have certainly ended up differently. Since then, they've beaten Charlton, Accrington and Portsmouth, three 
well, two definitely good teams and Charlton, uh, all at home. And away from home, they've drawn with Ipswich Town and they drew one all with Cheltenham in a game that they completely dominated. The reason that I don't think... Well, the reason that I really like this is not just because I think MK Dons are playing well, but is also because of this Gillingham side. Uh, there's something not there that was there last season so far. That's not to say that it won't come, but we have reported a couple of uh, tetchy Steve Evans quotes. He didn't seem that happy, did he, with how the transfer window went? And he's someone who um, loves the transfer window normally, puts a, <laughs> puts a lot of importance on it. And I think there are signs in their results as well and their performances that this isn't the Gillingham side from last season. I think because they've drawn three of their, is it six games so far? We probably haven't spoken about them too much, but they've lost to Shrewsbury, one of, if not the worst team in the division. They lost to Argyle on the second game of the season. Uh, no no shame in that. They've drawn against Wimbledon, a game I was at, where complete smash and grab, 97th minute, deflected long shot, just wickedly flew in. They drew with Burton last time out, a good result on paper for sure. Um, certainly not the better side in that game. I think Burton would be disappointed they didn't win. And they beat Morecambe 2-1. That was, their, I guess, their best performance of the season. Um, they edged it 2-1 against Morecambe with a 30-yard free kick from Carriol and a penalty, uh, questionable penalty as well from for Dane Oliver. So almost no good performances, I would go as far as to say, from Gillingham in six games this season. They haven't played the hardest opposition either. And I, I really strongly think MK Dons are a much better team um, than Gillingham. I think that they'll be able to impose a level of dominance in terms of possession, territory, shots. I'd be confident that MK Dons will dominate on that front. So as ever with MK Dons, there's some like weird concern that, that as a club they're kind of cursed and that they don't finish their chances as well as others. But I think with Parrot playing at the moment and playing the way that he is, with O'Reilly playing the way that he is at the moment, I'm just feeling more and more bullish about their chances. And and it's exciting um, from an MK Don's point of view. They're much better defensively than they were last season. So that concern that they give up loads of soft goals, more or less gone. Um, I think they're good value at 6-4 to four to beat Gillingham this weekend. I think they're a much better team. And their last away game, they didn't win it against Cheltenham, but they absolutely should have done. If they put in that same performance again this time round, they should comfortably have enough to beat Jills. So MK Don's my next best. Don't forget, guys, that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all Football League games. That's applicable both to singles and to multiples. So if you have a bet on match odds for any Football League game or a multiple with a couple of EFL games this weekend, there'll be no cash-out suspensions whatsoever while those games are on. It's a really good thing that Betfair are offering their customers. George, obviously Betfair also have the sportsbook and the exchange as well, which is something that we make the most of on this show by putting ourselves as the bookie, basically, putting up a few lay bets each week. I've been on poor form, I must admit, on this front, hoping to improve that this weekend. Uh, who's your lay this time out? <clears throat> I'm going to be laying Borough. Um, and I, this is the one where I said it's, it's got something to do with, with the results this week. Uh, they're 1.86 to back on the exchange, 1.95 to lay. I think you can get your lay up at about 10 to 11, uh, and it's been matched. Uh, mine was this morning, so about 1.91. Um Borough have been pretty poor this season and they come into this on the back of a an important, I would say, win away at Forest. Important for them because it was only their second win of the season. You know, they came into this one having won one of their first six. This is a Borough side who I think a fair few Borough fans and a fair few EFL commentators and pundits uh, had quite high hopes for at the beginning of the season. And I, I think it's probably fair to say that if you know this game cost... Chris Hewton, his job, who was relieved of his duties from Forest this morning. I think that if 
Borough hadn't won it, I think we'd have seen the first sign of pressure maybe on, on Neil Warnock because that would be a fair amount of time he's been at the club and unable to improve him from being you know just a mid-table side really. But they got the win. The reason why it's important to me is that I, I, I just don't think it matters at all. <laughs> I just, I, I'm happy just to completely ignore that result. Forest are a totally abject side as it stands at the moment. And um, whilst it will feel like a big three points to Borough fans, uh, I think in terms of, of a betting perspective, I just don't think it's too important. I think most sides would have gone to Forest and beat them yesterday. There's total apathy at the club and the way that they've dispensed with um, Hewton afterwards just goes to show that, that this was basically the final final straw. Um, Sparrow scoring could be significant. You know, if they need a striker who can score goals, him getting his first in the league um, is good. But I, I'm still happy to take the the body of evidence we've seen previously. You know, this is a Borough side who have lost at home to QPR. They've drawn at home to Blackburn recently. You know, they haven't been a very good side at home um, in the campaign. You know, they beat Bristol City early on, which isn't a great result. You know, they, they, they've had a fairly easy, when you look at it, start to the season and struggled. Um, they come up against the Blackpool side, who I, I'm not overly keen on, but again... On uh, Tuesday, they were beaten 3-0 by Huddersfield. The XG for that game is kind of 1.2, 0.8 in Huddersfield's favour. So it definitely flattered the, the winning team. And Shane Lavery had had chances at 0-0 to, to put them ahead as well. Um, they've beaten Fulham recently. They are a side who have a manager in, in Neil Critchley, who I'm a fan of. Uh, I, I just think heavy, well, not heavy, but, but kind of odds again quotes about Borough um, just seem a little bit skinny here. Uh, I'd need to see more from them to suggest that they are they have a, a kind of higher than 50% chance of, of winning this game. Um, I don't think there's much for Blackpool to fear. Uh, and even though they lost heavily to Huddersfield, which would have brought the back to earth with a bit of a bump after the Fulham result, there was enough in that performance to suggest that it wasn't just a massive drop-off. It was one of those games where, um, you know, Josh Cromer scored a scored a, a, a very low XG chance goal um, to open the scoring. It just, things went against them on the day. And um, yeah, I think Blackpool might get something out of it. So at oh, 1.9, I think Borough looked too short. I am laying Wimbledon. Been a real favourite of the pod, haven't they, in the last few weeks? And mm. their favourite to win this game against Plymouth Argyle at Plough Lane this weekend. After back-to-back wins, impressive wins as well that they've had uh, in the last few games. Wimbledon against Oxford and then against Morecambe. Uh, but Argyle are impressive as well. In fact, they've won three of their six games, not since opening day, well, really just the first half of opening day, where they got done by Rotherham set pieces. Um, since then, they've only conceded two goals. They haven't lost a game. They've got the best defensive XG numbers from open play, George, don't they, uh, in the whole league? Now, they do. The, the, their set piece XG numbers against aren't great. That's mostly because of that Rotherham blitz. They gave up two particularly massive chances in that game. But essentially, Argyle have fixed their big issue, and that was defensively. Going forward, Argyle under Ryan Lowe, any Ryan Lowe side, create chances and score goals. And that's what we've seen so far this campaign. Argyle have done really, really well. And I just, I don't count Wimbledon here as vulnerable favourites because I've had to put a layup at 2.2. I must admit, I just didn't, I didn't like the look of any of the vulnerable favourites in terms of putting up a lay. Uh, I definitely take your point on Borough and I wanted to find something else. This is more about Argyle than it is not fancying Wimbledon as a team in general. I think with, with Wimbledon, what we can say is, are they an entertaining team? Yes. Can we can we more or less assume there will be goals in their games? Yes, probably. Are they a winning machine just yet? I don't think so. They've won three of their seven games. Um, 
when they're up against a team that I rate pretty highly in Argyle, a team that's further on in their general development, I would say. I know they've got a new defence and that that started well. But overall, Argyle under low, I'd say they're they're a bit further on in their development than, than Wimbledon. And so I, could, I think with Wimbledon, I'm excited about how they're playing. I'm not sure I can rely necessarily on their performance level to, to hold week to week, game to game. I haven't quite worked out how consistent yet they're going to be. The one main concern here, if I'm laying Wimbledon, is their set-piece threat, which is pretty immense. Um, they seem to be scoring a goal, if not more, every game from that. Uh, hopefully, Argyle will have had a week's worth of preparation to stop Will Nightingale heading in an Anthony Hartigan um, set-piece. But we'll see. Argyle themselves have plenty of ways of hurting Wimbledon. We've seen that throughout this season. Um, last week, they beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-0 didn't they, with Edward Scar and Law scoring. Um, Hardy and Jeffka have both scored a couple each already this season. So I think plenty of reasons to think that Argyle can have every chance of leaving Plough Lane with the result. Uh, that's why I'm laying Wimbledon at 2.2 as my lay bet this week. we got goals and goal scorers next, George. Golsh, golsh, golsh. Go on then. Uh, overs. Bolton, Rotherham. Nice. Pretty quick on this one. Just two of the best attacking teams in, in the league, aren't they, really? Yes. Bolton and Ian Everett are just so different to what we saw last season. They score loads of goals. They concede a fair few too. It's quite different, this, because Bolton are the side that we're seeing loads of output in terms of their goals. They're scoring a lot of goals. They're conceding a few too. With Rotherham, they are posting the numbers that suggest they should be scoring a lot of goals, and, and they aren't. You know, they posted what, nearly four expected goals away at Lincoln. And again, they drew one all. This is nothing new. This is a side who, in the championship last season, shouldn't have been relegated looking at the looking at the data, um, but really struggling to, to finish their dinner. Um, you and I, striding down the 11th fairway yesterday, were saying, you know, Will Grigg has to be the one to come in and start putting these chances away. And I think in time that will happen. Um, yeah, two sides who have a commitment to attacking football, who I, I'm pretty sure are going to come into this, both of them, on the front foot um, and you know everything that I, I know about football and I believe about football suggests that the, the results are going to turn for Rotherham. The, the, the goal is going to, the board is going to start going into the goal. So it's 17 to 20. You know, it's picking prices here uh, about, um, yeah, as I say, two of the most attacking minded uh, and most capable sides at creating goal scoring opportunities up against each other. Um, I don't really care about the defensive numbers because they're both going to attack. So over two and a half at 17 to 20. Um, this is a big game for Rotherham. You know, Paul Warren said that it was the, what he said was the best performance he's seen from his from his Rotherham side ever uh, in that in that draw. They're going to be pretty desperate to get out there and get a and get a uh, a win. And for Bolton, there's absolutely nothing to fear. They are riding the crest of a wave. So I'm. I think if I if I could only watch one game on Saturday afternoon, it would probably be this one. And I think overs is the way to go. Yeah, 17 to 20. Now, this is an approach that I had some success with in midweek, as those who are part of our NTT20 betting squad will know. We put some thoughts for the midweek action. Obviously, we don't have a, a midweek betting pod, but with the betting squad that we have on Leveller, um, we can jot down some thoughts for those midweek games. And I had some joy with an under 1.5 double in League 2. Uh, both games with a first-half goal, which didn't feel great, um, but both games finished 1-0. I think I ended up with a 7-1-ish winner. I was really pleased about that. And I, I'm looking to replicate that this weekend. Now, I'm focusing particularly on League 2 because goal scoring is low. 
2.29 goals per game in League 2 compared to 2.45 in League 1 and 2.6 in the Championship. If you look at the over 1.5 goals, Championship 75%, so 3 and 4 are going over 1.5. League 1 is 70% going over 1.5, so 30% unders. League 2, 63% over, 27% unders. So... For some reason, League 2 is not the place to go for goals. I do think we have a group of teams who take a pretty pragmatic defensive approach, who want to play pretty low-margin stuff. And, and most specifically, we haven't got that many teams at the other end of that spectrum. We haven't got that that many teams whose primary objective, I think, is to attack the, op the opponent and to score goals. Maybe that's why I love Harrogate so much, because they're a bit of an outlier in that front. Generally, in League 2, uh, we can pretty much highlight the teams that are looking to keep things tight that are struggling to create chances for themselves but are good enough to keep it at bay now bristol rovers have been a bit of an unders team haven't they so far and i'm going to put them into my double here bristol rovers versus Leighton orient under 1.5 double i know that we've seen orient hit a few past oldham last weekend four to be specific uh, they scored two against newport and bradford as well recently but i do think that rovers I mean, they started their last game with three centre-backs, two wing-backs, four central midfielders, of which three <laughs> were defensive-minded midfielders, and Leon Clark up top. Their games have been so miserable recently, and it feels like Barton's approach to picking up more points is just to shut games down and try and build from there. I think that they can frustrate Orient. I would probably expect, if there is to be a goal here, that Orient will be the ones to score it, because I don't have much faith in Rovers to create chance at the moment. But Rovers-Orient, under 1.5, and Tranmere-Salford, this one's a little bit more obvious. Tranmere games have been exceptionally low margin. In fact, every single one of their seven games so far has gone under 1.5, which is quite an astonishing record. Uh, I'm sure that variance dictates this will end at some point. But up against the Salford side, who have not exactly cut loose themselves, they seem to be a team that has quite a lot of shots, doesn't seem to be converting them very well. So that is an under 1.5 double. Bristol Rovers, Leighton Orient, under 1.5. Tranmere versus Salford, under 1.5. It's an 8-1 to one double. So it is a long shot, 8-1. Uh, to one, But I landed one in the week. I want to try and go again. Rovers, Orient and Tranmere, Salford, under 1.5 double, 8-1. to one. And Just a reminder as well that if you use Betfair for your multiples... They've got an offer for you. Uh, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you receive a £5 free bet to use. Also on multiples or bet builders, T's and C's to apply, which you can find on the Betfair site. Which just leaves us with goal scorers. Kane Hemmings, 5-2, to two, Betfair Sportsbook, to score any time away at Crewe. <clears throat> Burton have disappointed me in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I thought after their start to the season, I think I even said on the Monday pod that they were the team I'd upgraded the most. We saw them huff and puff a bit against Cheltenham live on Sky and ever since then they've looked pretty poor, to be honest. Um, but having said that, they go to a crew side here who are understandably kind of going through the ringer at the moment and I expect them to, you know, I think they're valued to win the game and I expect them to, at the very worst, create a lot of chances. You know, I, we mentioned a couple of times that crew have looked solid, um, if not very good going forward, but that doesn't really play out in the old data where um their expected goals against is 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 poor you know they are the fourth worst in the division 6.3 expected goals conceded so far and also pretty poor from set pieces as well um i think we're asking a lot of of crew here to get anything from the game um they were kind of bottom were next on my list of of teams to 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 put up as my next best uh and hemmings having been injured for the start of the season 
uh, back in the side now. Uh, he got the goal in the one-all draw against Gillingham um, in midweek, the equaliser. Uh, we know what Kane Hemmings is. He is purely a goal scorer, somebody to take up those positions in the box and the team will be built around getting him on the end of the chances. So if Burton are to score and if Burton are to win, uh, he's the most likely person to, to get the goal and at 5-2. to two, I mean, he's 5-1 to one first goal first goal scorer and 5-1 to one last again, which I will be backing. But for the tip, 5-2 to two anytime, Kane Emmings to get a goal at Crestry Road. I don't like to repeat picks week to week on this show. Jake Cooper says hi. I don't think that's interesting <laughs> content. But if there's one person that I feel I can repeat myself with, it's a parrot, right? Because that's what they do. Yes. Thank you. Troy Parrot. Troy Parrot. Troy Parrot. Anytime goal scorer. <laughs> anytime goal scorer. Anytime goal scorer. Three to one anytime with Betfair. He's eight to one to score first. I'm I, I just look, I want to be friends with our sponsors. I really do. I've got a lot of time for everyone that we deal with at Betfair. But me and the traders don't see eye to eye when it comes to Troy Parrot those who are setting the prices. Um, and I hope that I'll end up on the right side of this dispute because uh, Parrot being 3-1, to one, he's a longer price than Scott Twine, who plays number 10. Parrot is up top. He's a, he's a longer price than Charlie Brown and Jay Bird, who are their backup young strikers. Um, Issa, as far as I know, is still injured. And Parrot's already scored two goals so far this season. As I said on last week's show, it's not just the goals that he scored but the fact that in every single league game so far, when I was watching Parrot clips on Scout, I could find a very good chance that he had in every single game so far. Then I picked him last week, and he had a very good chance against Portsmouth, very well saved by Bazunu. For me, he's just pretty relentless at the moment, playing for a team that have a lot of the ball, create a lot of chances for their strikers, um, and someone who I think we know is a pretty good finisher, uh, and he's playing with much more confidence than ever before on previous loans with Ipswich uh, and Millwall last season. So you can't find better than 2-1 to one elsewhere, apart from with the Betfair Sportsbook, and that's why I'm going Troy Parrott, hoping that he does what he didn't do last week and gets me a goalscorer winner. 3-1 to one anytime with Betfair. Troy Parrott for MK Dons against Gillingham. Why don't we recap our bets to finish off this podcast? My nap is Wickham, who are at home to Charlton at six to five, and then my next best is Hartlepool at seven to five away at Oldham, laying Borough at about ten to eleven. Uh, over two and a half goals, seventeen to twenty, Bolton against Rotherham, and Kane Hemmings anytime for Burton Albion, who travel to. I suddenly got through the whole thing. Uh, who travel to Crew? I think in some way we're all travelling to Crew this weekend, George. Anyway, my picks are Stoke City nap. Against Derby, 2.45, with Betfair Sportsbook. MK Dons, just a touch longer, 2.5, um, with the Sportsbook. I'm laying on the exchange, AFC Wimbledon at 2.2 at home to Plymouth Argyle this weekend. My goals bet is a long shot, an 8-1, under 1.5 goals double. Bristol Rovers versus Leighton Orient, Tranmere versus Salford, two games that I consider to be ripe for a low margin affair in a league full of low margin affairs uh, and my goal scorer Troy Parrott Troy Parrott Troy Parrott remember the Betfair offer on multiples if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders you'll receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders and also that Betfair have no cash out suspensions on match odds for all football league games applicable to singles and multiples we're very grateful for Betfair's support of this betting show we hope you've enjoyed it this week 
Please do, if you're thinking of having a bet this weekend, gamble responsibly, never bet more than you can afford to lose and certainly never chase your losses. It's going to be a really busy one. I'm in at Quest on Saturday, looking forward to being back on screen, dissecting League One, League Two from 10pm and we'll be back again on the Monday pod to look back at the EFL weekend. Have a good one.